Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 244. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week, where I get to have amazing conversations with the wonderful members of the Blueprint Live Online Instructor Crew, continuing our discussion with Alex. This week about test anxiety. How do you manage your test anxiety? Now, neither Alex or I are psychiatrists. Uh, I am a physician, but not a psychiatrist. But I did have a psychiatrist on the pre-med years talking about test anxiety back in episode 337. So if you have pretty severe test anxiety, I encourage you to go listen to that podcast with Dr. David Pewter. That's at premedyears.com slash 337. Go check that out. This week, we're going to talk again with Alex about test anxiety and things that you can do to hopefully overcome it, or at least handle it on your test day. Alex, back for another MCAT podcast. This time, hello, all about, hello. All, this time all about test anxiety, right? This is a topic that's a touchy topic because mental health uh, is, is one thing. Test anxiety is definitely a part of mental health. And it's such a unique kind of niche of mental health that it's it's hard, as we were kind of discussing before, it's hard to just say, well, don't be stressed. It's just a test. But it's it's too hard to say that. And and people have true physiological responses to going to a test center and sitting down and thinking about this, especially as a test that potentially, right, has this potential to make or break someone's future career. Where do we even start with this topic? Yeah, absolutely. I, in fact, where certainly where I always start when discussing this topic is kind of acknowledging that, you know, many people, in fact, I would I would say probably everyone who approaches this test deals with some level of anxiety, right? That is a, you know, almost inevitable human resol- response to something that is kind of high stakes and high pressure. Yeah. I think what is worth noting right at the beginning, though, is that for some people, this does cross over into, you know, clinical definitions of anxiety, you know, where actually, you know, levels of anxiety, which, you know, are perhaps less the domain of your lovely podcast hosts and is, and are something that you should insta- instead discuss with, you know, a trusted professional or a trusted physician. You know, I would, you know, I would never deem to offer the solution 
to which I don't have, you know, for, you know, for something with which I don't have any, you know, expertise. And, you know, if you feel like this describes you, you know, I would say right now, you know, it's a, it, this is a conversation to have with, you know, a professional who's an expert with dealing with sort of this sort of thing. The realm of anxiety that this conversation today will be about is the kind of, you know, still immensely difficult, very stressful, but ultimately the kind of the type of, I mean, I hate to, I hate to use this word, but like quote unquote, normal anxiety that comes with just a very high pressure test. Yeah. I, I, I think it's okay to say normal anxiety because we know that performance comes with a certain level of anxiety that you need. And right. And when we say anxiety, we're talking about the physiological responses, right? There are cortisol increases, our heart rate goes up a little bit, our blood vessels are dilating, right? That's normal in response to, to some conflict that we are going to encounter, right? In, in caveman to days, it's- tie it, To tie it into psych <laughs> social, we could say we're uh, operating at the peak of our Yerkes-Dodson curve. <laughs> there you go. That's nerd out there, right? In, in caveman days, it's, it's to prepare for going out on a hunt and, and we don't know what we're going to encounter. And nowadays, it's preparing for a debate if you're on the debate club or sitting down and taking this stupid MCAT test, uh, unfortunately. And so uh, in general terms, if someone doesn't know if they have test anxiety or not, what's, what's something that, that you can tell them and help them understand uh, what test anxiety is and, and potentially some symptoms that they can look out for? Yeah. I mean, firstly, I would say if you don't know that you have test anxiety, I'm very jealous because I think <laughs> for many people, for many people, the symptoms are almost kind of overwhelmingly kind of obvious to them. And, you know, often symptoms of test anxiety align with kind of symptoms of, you know, of, of adrenaline, right, of sympathetic activation. You know, this might be, you know, every time I sit down to take a practice test, I have really, really sweaty palms, or I start shaking, or my mouth gets really dry, or I, you know, you know, when it's particularly bad, you know, I feel like the walls are closing in on me and I can't breathe. Yeah. You know, I feel a sense of impending doom. Yeah. Um, you know, all of these are physiological responses to anxiety. And, you know, for something like the MCAT, this can, you know, and I think perhaps if you're, you know, perhaps if you're, you know, just dropping in on this podcast or, or don't, you know, have enormous familiarity with kind of what this exam is, that might sound crazy, right? Like, oh, it's just, it's just a test. How could it, how could it possibly produce symptoms that are that strong? And the answer is, you know, when you take a very difficult mental challenge and kind of stack so many stakes on top of it, you know, for many, many people, that's exactly what happens. And, you know, these symptoms can be almost debilitating sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and I tie in not just kind of more of the physiological r responses of, of uh, kind of test anxiety or anxiety in general, but also I tie in a lot of negative self-talk and lack of confidence into test anxiety as well. Uh, I talk to students all the time, especially ESL students, who crush their their science sections and then really struggle in the car sections because they tell themselves the whole time they're in the car section, I'm a slow reader, I'm not good at English, I don't understand what this is saying. 
But their other section scores tell me that they understand completely, that they are just talking themselves down the whole time. And, and our brains, uh, from a, my, my father-in-law is a neuropsychologist, so I've learned some stuff from him, about our working memory. We only have certain amount of space in our brains to hold information. And if you're filling that space with negative self-talk, you're not going to do well on cars because as you read the passage, you're not filling it up, your, your brain, your working memory, you're not filling it up with the information you need to know to answer the questions. You're just continuing to fill it up with this negative self-talk. You get to the questions and then you go, oh, I don't know what this question is asking. I don't remember anything from the passage. I'm like, well, that's expected because you, you've you been telling yourself the whole time that you're gonna do terrible. And then it's, it's like a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, yeah. And in fact, I think often another driver of, you know, with ex- almost exactly the same results is when people, you know, I'm sure some people listening here have had the experience of it's so, you know, oh, I couldn't focus on the test because I was focused on the clock. Oh, you no. Know, yeah. I was watching the timer counting down and even the presence of it being there stopped me from, you know, reading the car's passage in front of me. Yep. A hundred percent. Uh, it's, 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 it's hard to deal with, but it's good to know. Right. And so, um, all of that stuff kind of ties into, to test anxiety and and doing poorly on test day. What are some of the biggest things that, that you as a, an MCAT instructor and, and blueprint overall kind of teach in terms of helping students deal with this stress? Yeah, so I think particularly for, um, I, I always think a really valuable thing to kind of frame this discussion, right, is I think many people perhaps approach their test anxiety as if it's as if it's just there, as if it's a kind of immutable property of their brains. I am someone who feels anxious during psychosoc, for example. And I think for many people, it can be really helpful to take a step back from that and to recognize that, you know, and, you know this kind of test-induced anxiety, uh, this kind of otherwise non-clinical anxiety, actually can generally be traced to a number of distinct causes, right? You know, you are not an anxious person. You are someone who is being caused anxiety by X. Mm. And once, and kind of once we've made that mental distinction, we can start diving into what those specific causes may be, right? And everyone's approach to the MCAT is different. So often people have different causes. You know, a really common one I run into my student, run into with my students is something like, you know, tying your self-worth to the exam. Because I think this is a big one among pre-meds in general, right? You know, pre-meds are often like, you know, oh yeah, you know, I got a 98 in that chem exam in, you know, in sophomore year. And, you know, know, pre-meds often place enormous personal and professional self-worth on their academic and intellectual performance. It's hard not to because they think that's the only thing that matters to get into medical school. Yeah, because, you know, because people have told them that they're smart their whole lives. Yes. And like, by the way, if you're studying for the MCAT, like, you are a smart person, you know, I promise. Yeah, that um, that's something I've learned as a parent is don't tell my kids she's smart or or my he he or she, both of, both of my kids. Um, 
tell them that they've worked really hard and, and accomplished that thing, right? And so now that they, they internalize that they're hard workers, not that they're smart, and when they have hiccups in the future, hopefully it, they, they don't have this then conflict. Well, my identity is I'm smart, but the results don't show. They, they now have my identity is I'm a hard worker, and I, maybe I just didn't work hard enough this time. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and to that end, I, I think that's why it can be so difficult to, you know, for this, you know, for, you know, for a pre-med student to take the MCAT, to take a practice test, you know, to get a score that they're not happy with, you know, like I, you know, took a practice test and I got a, you know, 491 and, you know, oh, that just must mean I'm dumb. Yeah. And that cause, you know, that internal conflict can be immensely stressful. Yeah, that's why people avoid the diagnostic tests, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's why I've had students email me two weeks before test day and say, you know, please help. I don't know how to do better on the exam. And I look into their, I look into their, you know, their blueprint profile and they haven't taken a single practice test. And, you know, I'm not blaming people for that because I think it's really hard to do, right? And the first piece of advice I always give is you, you have to uncouple this. You have to uncouple the sense that your intellectual and personal self-worth depend on doing well on this test. You are a smart person. You are an accomplished person. You are a hardworking person. And that exists entirely separate from this work, from this MCAT universe. And secondly, you have to acknowledge that actually Nobody, 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 you know, everyone who ends up with that amazing score that you covet, nobody strolled in and did that first try. Yeah. Kind of behind every, you know, MD matriculation lies, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten practice tests, you know all of which were probably below what they actually got on test day. Yeah. You know, my first, you know, I teach the MCAT as my job and my diagnostic score was comfortably below 500. <laughs> because you know what? Because like, because you didn't, because I didn't know anything. Because it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, because it turns out like if you haven't studied, you know, if you haven't studied psych social before, like you don't get a 132 on the section. Yeah. Everyone's uh, uh, everyone who bench presses 350 pounds started at 45, started at just the bar. Um, exactly. So it's just I, I think I don't know if it's a generational thing where people don't want to put in their dues and so they don't like to to start at the very bottom. They just want to end up like, I just want my 520. Like, why can't I just have a 520? Um, uh, but it's it's a, a weird psychological thing of like, y you know, you're going to be bad to start. Right. That's just that's how it works. And, th and that's OK. And, th yeah. like, and of course, but, you know, when it, you know when you when your self-worth is tied so strongly to perceived metrics of intellectual performance i think that can be a really difficult loop to break but i promise it can be done yeah some other some other distinct causes that i think often come up are you know is something like lack of preparedness like i'm really scared i'm really scared about my mcat because it's in three weeks and i'm not where i want to be mm. this is a tougher one and it, I think, often, you know, 
involves, and I think you know, I think we're even going to talk about this uh, next episode. But it, it, you know, it's worth internalizing that everyone's approach to this test is different. You know, I think that kind of anxiety is often induced by thoughts of like, but my test is next week. That's when I'm supposed to take it, which means if I'm not ready by then, that's a personal failure. Yeah. Everyone's journey to this test is different. It takes everyone different amounts of time. You know, I've had students who have studied for this test for sometimes two years. And I've had students who have crammed it in in six weeks. My goodness, I don't know how. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another another source of this anxiety is comparing yourself to others and and hearing your friends scoring a five fifteen and and they they started studying two two months after you and and therefore you must be a failure because they're doing much better. And comparison is is just just a drain on. Uh, on, on energy levels in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, you know, I, it's, it's incredible, you know, the lengths that this can go to, right. You know, I've, you know, I've met people with five nineteens, you know, who are crushed because their friend got a five twenty six, mm. which is just, you know, in even, even speaking to, you know, med school admissions committee members, you know, like, it's not, you know, that's not, it's not meaningful. That is, you know, a crazy thing to make yourself miserable about. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's hard. So let's talk about overcoming. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of positive affirmations. What, what's you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think positive affirmations are really helpful, particularly over a long period of time, right? You know, in the se- in the same way that you you know you touched upon um, these kind of repeated cycles where you know students constantly beat down on themselves where like you know I don't understand this car's passage I don't speak English I don't read English very well you know this this section you know this is so hard I'm never going to improve mm. I-, I think positive affirmations are kind of interestingly the if not the antidote, then the reverse of that, which is if you repeat a positive thought often enough in your mind, you'll start to believe it. You'll start to break the pattern of negative thoughts that ultimately kind of pull you into that anxious place. And I think for many people who are approaching this test, these, you know, the general form of these positive affirmations could be, you know, my self-worth doesn't depend on my MCAT score. Mm. You know, I am smart and I am accomplished outside of how the AMC judges the MK. You know, the AMC never never makes any claims that this is a general, you know, a general intelligence test. And yeah. in fact, I would argue that, you know, we as humanity haven't even devised an intelligence test like, you know, useful enough, you know, useful enough to warrant the name. Yeah. And so, um, repeating statements that are true that counteract the source of your anxiety can be immensely helpful even something as even something like you know if you're someone who struggles with pacing you know you could repeat the affirmation like if i spend enough time working on this skill my timing will improve you know i have the ability to improve with practice you know just like everyone else mm. Yeah. So that, that definitely, those, those types of positive affirmations are, are important. Um, there's a, uh, 
a TED talk that I reference all the time in terms of preparing for mock interviews or preparing for interviews, uh, a TED talk by Amy Cuddy about power poses and, and building confidence and kind of the physiological responses that come from just the, the power poses. Is that something you guys talk about at all? It is something we talk about. And I often think power poses are those things that like, they're not for everyone, right? They don't. And, and specifically, if you're not, if you, you know, if you know, if you don't know what a power pose is, this is, you know, standing in a position which kind of makes you feel powerful, right? So kind of classically, that would be, you know, standing up straight with your hands on your hips and kind of really opening up your body language. So you're not, you know, you're not hunched over. You don't have your arms crossed kind of putting yourself in a body position that feels strong, that feels confident, that feels powerful. And this is kind of off the back of a lot of psychological research that shows kind of how we carry ourselves actually has kind of synergistic impacts on our mental posturing. I say to people, this is one of those things that you should absolutely try and you might find that it's not for you, and that's okay, right? Mm. All of these strategies that, we're, that we are going through to manage anxiety are, are just that, they are tools, and they may not work for your particular case. That's okay, you know, the, you know the, one of the overriding theses of Blueprint's approach to the MCAT, right, is that everyone's different. Yeah. If you haven't tried, you know, positive affirmations, you know, power poses, I would absolutely recommend that you might give it a try. Anyway, and if you're sitting there saying like, oh, you know, this is an interesting sentiment, but like, I'm not actually going to try it. Like, no, no, no. Like, yes, you trust me. Just try it. Yeah. How much do you think sleep and diet and water intake and all of the like health routines play into someone being prepared for test day? Yeah. I mean, I think people have this, I mean, and you know, I, you know, I'm sure as a physician, you are confronted with this in medical school all the time, right? I think, you know, many of our, much of our society's approach to say medical training, uh, encourages people to view the mental and the physical as separate. But of course, no such distinction exists in real life, right? The, you know, People divorce mental performance from physical performance, but they are in fact intimately related. You know, your brain is made out of ultimately the same stuff that the rest of your body is. It's still composed of cells that metabolize, that you know, generate weight, that, that generates waste, that you know, has to have that has to have oxygen delivered to it and CO2 removed. And so um, ultimately mental performance begins with taking care of your physical needs. Yeah. You know, you cannot perform, you know, you cannot perform at your absolute mental peak on the MCAT without also taking care of your physical needs first. And at its most basic, this is something like getting, en getting enough sleep, not just the night before your MCAT, because that might be difficult, but, you know, in the weeks and months preparing beforehand as well. If you neglect your physical needs, if you don't drink enough water, if you don't get enough physical activity, if you don't, you know, if you don't treat your body like the, like the finely tuned instrument that the MCAT <laughs> requires, then ultimately it's not going to perform at peak, at peak operation. And, yeah. you know, perhaps, perhaps you might perform at below peak operation and still get a score that you're happy with. That's good enough. You know, that's good enough to achieve your goals. But ultimately, I think this is a really valuable point to reiterate anyway, because 
do you know what's long and taxing and requires peak mental performance for many years? Being a doctor. <laughs> Being a doctor, yes. Uh, it never ends. It's just, it's a long process. But yeah, I, I think um, self-care is something that everyone should start now. Um, uh, obviously, the, the pandemic has affected a lot of people in terms of self-care because everyone's just sitting at home, eating whatever they want, not exercising, whatever. Uh, all the gyms got closed. Um, but Maintaining that through medical school, maintaining that through residency is very important uh, to be just tip-top shape and health and longevity of your your life. So, and it helps with taking a test. Absolutely, so think about and I, that. And I think it's, and I also think it's worth framing it in that sense, right? Which is, you know, you should strive to be physically and mentally healthy. You know, I think, and I think this is really easy to do as well, possibly for the types of people who, you know, who end up pursuing this career path. But, you know, ultimately you should pursue physical and mental health, not just because they help you be a better doctor, but because they are kind of inherently valuable, you know, aims for your life, right? You know, in the sense that like you deserve to be mentally and physically healthy outside of your capacity or drive to be a physician. Yeah. Let's talk about testing because we can all go in with a plan and things have been working great, but practice tests, our body knows, right? Our mind knows. This is just a practice test. This isn't the real deal. So my anxiety isn't going to be triggered as much versus the real practice test. Your body knows, be like, hey, wait a minute, why are we going to the car? Hey, wait a minute, why are we driving somewhere? Hey, wait a minute, what is this building? I haven't been here before. And now all of a sudden you're in a new environment. Hopefully, this is you, you taking the MCAT for the first time. So it's a brand new environment for you. All, all new process of checking in and getting a locker and putting your stuff away and and, and going to the computer and, and hope that it works and the, the mouse actually functions and the keyboard works, whatever, right? The, the test anxiety is going to kick in fast and furious potentially there. What strategy, strategies do you have on test day to make sure that the anxiety stays away as best as possible? And then if it does come, what, what do we do? Yeah, absolutely. So the first one I say is often make your, you know, optimizing your performance on test day actually begins on, you know, begins in your practice tests all the way back to, you know, your very first full length, right? And, you know, because I really, I really, and I really liked how you kind of touched upon this, Ryan, because ultimately, yes, the test day environment is different from your practice test. Like there's no getting around that, you know, unless you can find a, unless you're going to like build a replica Pearson center in your garage, which, you know, ultimately, you know, test day will be different, right? There's I, I no think, getting around that. I, I think there there may be a, a need out there for virtual reality kind of Pearson test center. So I can put on my <laughs> Oculus and walk into Pearson and open the door. And <laughs> I, I think we should be taking practice tests in, in VR. I think I think that's that's how to do it. As someone who enjoys using my Oculus a great deal, I refuse to hand it over to such endeavors. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll have to talk offline what you play on Oculus because because uh, I'm I'm a big Oculus guy as well. Um, yeah. So, but 
like you said, that the source of that anxiety are all of those tiny differences between what you've been used to and what the test say center is, right? So you need to minimize those total number of differences. And that, that starts by making your test-like practice as, as test-like as possible. You know, this means taking it with the no with the normal timings, you know, the normal timings that you'll have on test day, you know, be it regular or accommodated. Mm. You know, this means eating similar foods. This means taking it at the same time. This means wearing a mask for the whole test, because at least as of what we know now, that's what the AMC is requiring at all test centers. Um, once we get to test day itself, you know, it's worth acknowledging that a little bit of anxiety is completely normal and I would argue unavoidable, right? It's, it's high pressure. It's a high stress environment. That's, you know, I think if you weren't, if you, if someone wasn't stressed, I would be, you know, I would, I would be shocked and ask them what their secret is. But ultimately, you know, be confident in your ability to manage that healthily, to treat it as you stress rather than distress, you know, to allow it to push your performance to its highest possible level, kind of without, you know, without pushing over the edge of that, without pushing over the edge of that curve towards maladaption. Yeah. Um, I, I like to, to try to talk about how physiologically there's not a lot of difference, if, if any, between stress and excitement mm -hmm. and potentially that little bit of a mindset shift of I'm stressed, I'm anxious to I'm excited, right? This is a test that is going to show how hard I've been working and is going to open a lot of doors for me. And, and potentially that little bit of a mindset shift, that little bit of a storytelling shift of I'm nervous to I'm excited may make all the difference in the world. Oh, I've my goodness. I've never heard that before. I like I like that a lot. <laughs> you can steal it. You can have it. Um, yoink, it's in the live course now. <laughs> <laughs> no attribution required. Because um, I stole it from someone else at some point. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you know, test day, you know, test day can be exciting. And ultimately, you know, it's, it's the calm, you know, it's the culmination of what you've worked so hard for. Yeah. So be prepared, trust yourself, have the confidence that you have worked hard to get what you want and understand and you, that you're going to have some, you're going to have some jitters and that's okay. So I think a point as well, that's really valuable to consider kind of, I guess to close out on is that there's often, you know, if you've been, if you've been following kind of all of the advice that this podcast and that of course the blueprint gives out is that, you know, you should be walking into the test day with no less than all of the AMC full lengths completed. Yeah. And I took significant comfort in knowing that these are actually very strong predictors of your test day score which is to say the vast majority of people who take the MCAT score within a couple of points in either direction of the average of those of those four full lengths, the four graded full lengths, excluding the kind of non-graded sample test that the AMC publishes. And ultimately, I found that really, really, really comforting, which is, look, no matter how hard the test today feels, because it's scaled and equated, 
my score will probably be within about two points of what are that of whatever that long run average is. And lo and behold, it was. And that's the case for almost everyone that takes this test. The, the actual uncertainty that exists in your score range is probably narrower than you may think. Yeah. And, you know, certainly from an anxiety perspective, that helped me because it reduced the uncertainty on the other end of the equation. Yeah. So I did an episode with a psychiatrist about test anxiety, and I'll, I'll talk about that just for a second. It's on the pre-med years, episode 337 with Dr. David Pewter, a psychiatrist who deals with medical students um, uh, on top of his normal kind of psychiatry career, but talks a lot with medical students about test anxiety when it comes to the boards and, and other things. So go listen to that as well, not just uh, two randos giving you advice, but you can listen to a psychiatrist who does uh, a lot of test anxiety to hopefully help you overcome your anxiety in your test day. So thank you, Alex, for another awesome episode. If you want to hang out with Alex on uh, the Blueprint Live online course, go check that out at blueprintmcat.com. And we'll see you for another episode next week. All right, there you have it. Again, Alex from Blueprint MCAT, the live online instructor crew. He is in the middle of his applications after crushing his MCAT. He's in a little bit of a different situation because of his international credits. We had a great discussion with him back on the Prima Deers and the, the MCAT podcast with his initial introduction. So you can go check out all of that stuff uh, in previous episodes. Hopefully this was helpful for you. Don't forget to go check out blueprintmcat.com because one of the best ways to ease some anxiety is to make sure you're prepared for the test. And there's no better company out there to help you with that than Blueprint MCAT at blueprintmcat.com. Go sign up for a free account today and get access to tons of amazing free resources to help you score high on the MCAT. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast. This is MedEd Media.